Today we will be reading from Esther 4, 1 through 3, and 9 through 14. When Mordecai learned all that he had done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, and went through the city, wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, or the, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. Hathach went to, and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke with Hathach and gave him a message from Mordecai, saying, all the, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law, all alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. When they had told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep your silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to the royal dignity for such a time as this. The word of God for the people of God. So we've been spending time talking about what gift can we bring? We started right after Christmas. Uh, we looked at um, the three wise men. They carry gifts uh, to the newborn baby Jesus. And we kind of asked, ourse asked ourselves, what were those gifts about? And then we also started thinking, well, I wonder if it's Jesus' birthday. Maybe we should bring him a gift as well. That maybe there is a, a gift that we might offer. As we started thinking about that, we thought that, that our lives might be that gift that we offer. And as we looked a little bit deeper, we uh, read about Paul and we learned about the body of Christ and that there are many gifts, but one spirit, that there are many roles, uh, many parts of the body, but one head, and that we all had uh, a version of a spiritual gift, whether we discovered it or not, whether we had kept it wrapped up, as strange as that might be, somebody gives you a gift and you don't unwrap it. And then we started looking at what are we passionate about? What is it uh, that keeps us up at night? What is it that um, when we do a particular activity, time just disappears and we find ourselves immersed in the moment? What are those things that really get your ire up, that make you wonder, why are there haves and have-nots? Why are there rules about that? Why is it that some people can and others can't? The passion that comes up for us. And then we looked last week at the idea of needs. What are the needs? And we, we looked at Nehemiah and how Nehemiah had it good. He was the cupbearer for the king. I mean, that, I assume that means you get to taste a lot of wine. Could be good. I don't know, I had a debate about that. 
Sorry, I took a moment just to think for a moment. Anyways, um, and that Nehemiah, though he was at a place of comfort, God had placed a passion on his heart for his hometown of Jerusalem, and that Nehemiah found an opportunity to be sent back home to make home better. And then we come to today, a a story about Esther. I wonder, have you ever had that moment? Um, The phone rings at one in the morning and you know the name on the caller ID. And you don't say, my goodness, who's calling at one in the morning? You pick it up immediately and say, is everything okay? Or it's that phone call that happens in the middle of the day from a good friend who you know they shouldn't be calling in the middle of the day, but if they do, it's serious. And you pick up the phone and you can hear in the tone of their voice, this is serious. For such a time as this, what is it like to find that your gifts, your passion, and the needs of your world come colliding together in a moment where you can stand up and help or cower and hide? That would be a moment of calling. So Esther has a moment of calling. Let's give a little bit of background for Esther. Esther is a a Jew. Um, She is part of um, the nation of Israel. They were um, conquered by the Babylonians. They were carried off into exile. Uh, They found themselves a vassal state. This is the story that we talked about with Nehemiah. Um, So uh, after a while, um, the city of Jerusalem is made well, and they're able to go home from the exile. But some uh, Israelites, some Jews, stay there in Babylon, and Esther and her family are some of those. Uh, And there comes this moment um, in the life of the king. Uh, King has a harem, king doesn't have a queen, king wants a queen, and so the best I can describe it is that uh, all the beautiful women of the land are invited to participate in a year-long process of beautification in a festival that seems a whole lot like a bad mixture of American Idol and The Bachelorette. (laughs) I'm sorry. And who wins but Esther? Now, Esther is kept quiet from the king, uh, her ethnicity. Um, He doesn't know that she's a Jew. If he knew, he wouldn't be really happy about the idea, but he is so in love with her that not only does he add her to his harem, but takes her as his queen. That's pretty good, right? But even as his queen, She seems to have a lot of power, but no one approaches the king unless they're called, even if you're the queen. So so Esther is living the good life. She's in the palace, she's in the harem, she's the the king's queen, and Mordecai, her uncle, comes to talk to her. Have you heard the news? And Esther says, what news? Have you heard the news that that Haman has risen to power and Haman has decided to get the king to decree that all Jews would be killed? We need to do something about this. And Esther says, I can't do anything. And Mordecai says, you're the queen. What do you mean you can't do anything? 
And Esther says, don't you know, even as the queen, even though he loves me, I can only approach him if he calls for me, and he hasn't called for me in at least a month. He's not interested in me right now. And even if, I, uh, if he was interested in me and he called me, uh, how would I raise this deep political question about the state of the Jews? He doesn't even know I'm Jewish. And Mordecai says, you may think, Esther, that you can hide in the palace, that the world will change around you, and that you will be okay, isolated in the affluence of the king's care. But what it will mean is that all of your family, all of your people will die. Now, uh, God is faithful and just, and God will cause up uh, another way in which salvation will happen, but it will not be through us, and it will be more difficult before it gets better. And Mordecai says to Esther, says, maybe it's for such a time as this that you were the one selected in the strange American Idol Bachelorette contest. Maybe it's for such a time as this that God has placed you, a Jew, on the seat of the throne of the queen to have the ear of the king for such a time as this to save your people. And Esther says, but if I go to him and he is in a bad mood, he will say that I should be killed. And if I go to him and he doesn't have me killed and I tell him, hey, I'm Jewish and I don't want you to kill all of my family and friends, he'll realize I'm Jewish and then he'll kill me anyways. That there's not a real good win for me here, Mordecai. And Mordecai says, it's for such a time as this. For such a time as this that you were uh, given beauty and brains. It was for such a time as this that you were given the hand of the king. It was for such a time as this for you to be passionate about your people. It was for such a time as this that you have been called to make a difference. Think, think about those words. I mean, those are, are powerful words to make a difference, not to hide in the crowd, not to run away in isolation, but to make a difference. You know, oftentimes when I look around uh, Lake Jackson, I am reminded that it was uh, Alden Dow who made a difference, right? We love to tell the humorous stories about how um, the, the uh, sidewalks were poured uh, close to the streets uh, in the uh, first part of Lake Jackson's development because, uh, was it Alden Dow that said, um, when it snows, um, you can clear the sidewalks in the street all at once with the snowblowers. <laughs> okay, the, the man didn't know, it's all right. But, um, and we laugh at having this way, that way, which way, and any way, but it was for such a time as this, that there was a place on the coast of Southeast Texas where a desalination plant could be built, where out of nothing, something could come, where there could be a community of people who um, worked hard, were smart, uh, the people who were chemical engineers and loved chemical engineers, or lived next to them, uh, could make community. And as I look around, I, I spot there's a number of you who are descendants of those first pioneers, right? Who came and made a place and made a difference. 
Right, somebody told me early on, there's a way that you can spot uh, people who were really here first and people who, who weren't. If anyone says that they were born in Lake Jackson before a certain date, they're lying to you. Uh, they were most likely born in Freeport or they were born at the Dow uh, Clinic, right? Uh, thank you, see, even I'm not really true around here. For such a time as this, why? You know, in the swamp with mosquitoes, and no roads, would anyone choose to live in this neck of the woods for such a time as this? Or think about um, Falklandrum and that group that worshiped in a school way long time ago. They were um, um, sojourners sent out from First Methodist to do a mission church uh, here in Lake Jackson, that it would benefit Lake Jackson to have two Methodist churches. And so off they went. And there was a, uh, an earlier pastor who worked with uh, the community. But most of you, um, when I ask you, who do you remember? You say, I remember Falklandrum. And he was the one that kind of got you out of the school and you bought how many acres over by Oyster Creek in the middle of a subdivision? Why would you do that? Because there's a dream little church in the woods would be a touchstone for people to know about Jesus, right? How many years did you worship in what we call the activity center, right? The children's center. Uh, I mean, some of you can tell me the, the days and the years of uh, when each side of the education wing was built, when we built the new sanctuary, the, the well, this is the new one, but that was the old one, but right, I mean, you know, and you can tell me why. Why every sanctuary has had a window and a cross, right? Who would think in the middle of the back of the woods on your property is where you'd put a sanctuary? But for such a time as this, a place surrounded by woods becomes a chapel for the people in Lake Jackson for such a time as this. So what is it that God has brought you all the way here for this moment, given you gifts and passion, given you clear needs in your community that need to be met and cared for? What is the moment now? That's important to say that not all of us can be uh, the queen or the king, but let's be honest, even though Esther was the queen and we thought she had power, she didn't. Not everything's perfect. And even though Mordecai was in charge of his whole community, even he wasn't perfect. Some would say that he got a little bit uh, boisterous with Haman, kind of got into a little ego fight, and Haman showed him how, you know, uh, Haman was going to win. You know, it's easy to say, why in a foreign land, in a foreign place, is it such a time as this? But there's something beautiful about dreams. There's something beautiful about when uh, we all get together, that we are more than the sum of our parts. When we set our mind on doing something together, God fills in the spaces and places in between us. And what we might have lacked or what we might have been imperfect about, God begins to make perfect among us. And together with the Holy Spirit leading, we're here for such a time as this. I mean, what did Esther need to do? She needed to talk to her husband. You could make an argument that he wasn't much of a husband if they hadn't lived in the same house for 30 days. But for such a time as this, a simple thing of talking to her husband saved her whole people. 
So there's a board out back. It is just a beginning, but when you take a moment to look at that board of needs, it's pretty easy. There's a dance school that needs uh, dance shoes. There's um, a group in the church that needs people willing to make phone calls or casseroles or just say a prayer where you are. For such a time as this, your casserole could be the conversation that's had uh, with a widow over the loss of her husband. For such a time as this, your phone call could be the moment that brings somebody disconnected from the church back inside the church, uh, excited about what God might be doing among us. For such a time as this, your 30 minutes with a third grader at Best Brannon, letting them read to you could be the moment that they begin seeing that somebody in their life cares about them for such a time as this. We really do believe at Chapelwood that God has called us to something more than the nine to five, that God has called us to something more uh, than just an accumulation of toys, but that God has called us to do something beyond ourselves, to have a higher purpose. We've identified that for the time being as being a three-year vision to raise a generation in faith, to get serious about our adult discipleship so that we don't just be good disciples, but we be good disciples in a way that the children around us will catch the vision and follow with us. I've told you regularly that if I do my devotional before Grace gets up, um, and when she gets up, I scramble an egg for her and for me for breakfast, that she, 50, 60 years from now, when I die at my funeral, she will say, my dad built his life on a scrambled egg. And she'll have missed the point because I never let her catch me doing my devotional. She didn't find out that I don't build my life on a scrambled egg, but I build my life on an hour of reading and spending time in prayer with Jesus, that Jesus is the foundation of my life. How many times do we let our kids or the children in our influence catch us basing our life upon Jesus? We're not gonna plop a building down back there as a, a family life center or a youth building. Sure, that might be something beyond those three years, but at the moment, let's just get our house rules together, our expectation of chores, uh, our willingness to teach our children good ways of loving Jesus in a vital way so that when they graduate from college, they will find a church and plant themselves deeply there as the next generation of the faith for such a time as this. Yeah, none of us are queen or king. Sure, none of us are exiled to a foreign land. Sure, we didn't win American Idol as many times as we might have auditioned. Did you audition? I didn't, but I know some of you did. But it's for such a time as this that God might use you. And sure, you don't have to do it, you, you really don't. I mean, you can sit in the pews for the next 20 years and the church probably will still be here, but what will it look like? And what will it be like when God calls forth another way of salvation, another church community, another opportunity for people to do mission-minded opportunities to serve their neighbor? Sure, God's gonna take care of the world, but God's invited us to participate for such a time as this. I wonder, what is God calling you to do beyond yourself? Is it dance shoes? Is it reading with a third grader? Or maybe there's something more.
I've heard some of you wonder out loud, you know, if we could just get the legislature to, if we could just change the way the community does, if the school district was this or that or something else, or maybe if those private schools, or if Dow just would, or if BASF just might, the world would be how it's supposed to be. Friends, don't be like my generation. Gen, X's, uh, Gen Xers love to wait around for the world to change. Instead, let's be the next generation of newborn Christians who desire to see God's will done for such a time as this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I wanna encourage you to take the next step. Uh, your next step may be on that board of needs right out there. Now, now don't feel guilted or shamed into doing something. No, do the work that we've already talked about. If you've already identified your spiritual gifts, great. Figure out what your passions are for and then connect your gifts with your passion with a need in your community. If it's not on the board or if you haven't taken the spiritual gifts assessment or you don't know what your passions are, that's what pastors are for. That's what Sunday school classes are for. That's what grow group opportunities are for. We believe that Chapelwood is called uh, to take our next step uh, to help people take their next step in their faith journey with Christ, not just scattered everywhere, but to line those steps up to accomplish a three-year vision of raising a generation in faith. Uh, I wonder, uh, where will your next step be? Hopefully, it's on that board of needs. If not, hopefully, it'll be a voicemail that you're gonna leave on my phone so that together we can find your calling, which is beyond both you and me, but is in the imagination of God. Why don't we stand together for our closing hymn, which is grace, God of grace and God of glory. If today's the day that you feel uh, um, called to join the church, come on down during the closing hymn, uh, this hymn, and we'll take care of that little matter of business. David Hill. So grab a hand next to you for our closing benediction. Uh, you don't have to hold everybody's hand, but you can hold somebody's hand. There we go. And let's have a prayer together. Almighty God, we give thanks that uh, though we know our gifts, though our passions are ever before us, and though there are needs in our community, help us know why we have been called for such a time as this that we might live for something beyond ourselves, that you might call us to a higher purpose, the purpose of raising a generation in faith. And as we go, Lord, in those places where we lack, we know that you will uh, fill in those gaps. And in those moments when we are disillusioned, you will inspire us and call us into the future where you wait to welcome us. All this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.